on, we can do better than that. Let's worship God for just a minute. Somebody in love with Jesus tonight. Somebody want to tell him he's, that you're in love. Come on, I love you. I love you through my worship. I praise you through my worship and my praise unto you. You are my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, all across this building, can we just give it from our hearts? Just one, come on, let's give worship to God from our hearts. Uh, hallelujah, Jesus. That's it. With the voice of triumph, I'm going to shout because you've delivered me, God. Oh, I'm going to praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. If we were at a football game and somebody just scored a touchdown, we'd be going wild. If it was your favorite team, but I know a God who took me out of something and He put me in a church that has the truth. And I, every time I'm in that church, I ought to go wild. I ought to just show God how I feel about what He done for me. He scored a touchdown in my own life. Amen? Praise God. Well, if we go over tonight, you know it's not because I talk long. Jesus, be with us tonight, Lord. How many of you guys are ready to hear the Word of God? Appreciate my church family. You guys are awesome. So, Brother Krause, I said, really, it wasn't they were praying that Brother Hill wasn't going to get to preach. Somebody's praying I'd get to preach two weeks in a row. There's a miracle happening right there. It was Connie. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. She's my, fa she's my biggest fan. She gives me high fives every day. She really does. In Jesus' name. All right. Well, let's let's turn to the book of Psalms, going to chapter 62. Psalms chapter 62. Going to read verses 1 through 3. Praise God. Psalms chapter 62, verses 1 through 3. Church looks good tonight, don't it? Looks good tonight. I like that. Thank you for coming to Wednesday night church. We appreciate that. I did bring my church. We fill it. We fill it up, don't we? We 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 brought our stuff. But God, God's good. Psalm sixty-two, verse one through three. Say Amen if you're with me. All right. It says, "Truly, my soul waiteth upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He only. No one else. Nothing else. He only is my rock and my salvation." He is my defense. Everybody say defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Didn't say I wouldn't be moved. Just said I wouldn't be moved greatly. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be moved from one place completely to another place. I may, get, I may get moved just a tad, but not greatly. And verse 3 says, How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you. As a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Let's pray and ask God to receive the word in our heart tonight. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, God. I pray right now that you will use this congregation, God, and to feed the congregation tonight through the Word of God. We ask you to be with us in Jesus' name. We want your miracles. We want your demonstration. But we seek after you and you alone, God, for your will and your will only, Jesus. Uh, for you only, God, are our rock and our salvation, God. You are the truth in which we stand, and we will not be ashamed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. You may be seated.
I believe the church has been blessed. Anybody been blessed? I believe... I believe there is a Joshua principle. The greater the relationship, I think somebody's been working on their relationship. Anybody been been working on their prayer life, been working on their reading their word, wanting to love God? Remember, the greater the relationship, the greater the miracles. Because that's the way it works. It's amazing to me to see it work and to, to see it in action. And when the Word of God goes forth, it should go into our heart, but then it should blossom. Something should happen from the Word. It's like a seed implanted in us and it should grow. The Bible says don't just be a hearer of the Word. You're deceiving yourself. But be, be a doer as well. So if you hear the Word of God come in, it's not just for you to listen to. It's not just for your entertainment. It's not just to make you feel good. But the Word of God, no matter who gets up here, no matter who preaches, no matter who teaches in a Sunday school class, the idea is that it goes into your heart and it begins to grow. Amen? And I think our, the Word of God's growing in our church, and I believe miracles are happening. And I'm excited. Sister Kay, I'm excited. Last Wednesday you were in pain. God was going to do something. We knew God was going to do something, and He did it. And many other miracles came to pass as well, and I'm glad. But if you look in this verse in Psalms chapter 62, verse 2, if you or 62, verse 3, if you'll just... Bear with me tonight, and if you'll preach with me. Anybody going to preach with me tonight? But we're going to, I'm going to teach or preach on the subject, the need for a fence. Wow, that's profound, isn't it, Brother Krause? You need a fence. Really? Yeah, it's one of those nice ones, you know, you see in the nice neighborhoods, all painted. You know, you got to go out there, it looks real pretty, and you wish, man, I wish I could have a fence like that, but... Then you realize how much money that person invested in that fence, and then you realize, I don't want a fence like that, because there was investment made in that fence. Oh, I'm already preaching. So just bear with me. Realize that there is a purpose for a fence. In our world today, godly virtues are not simply ignored. They are mocked. Television shows ridicule people with biblical convictions. Magazine covers and billboards feature models more nude than clothed. And the fence of protection that was ordained by God has become a tottering fence. It's become a fence that's almost fallen down. There's not a whole lot of protection left for the fence that there's supposed to be there around the world. The reason that the Bible gives us clear boundaries like purity, modesty, authority, sexuality, and salvation is because it builds a fence of protection around our individual life. Thank you, Sister Evans. The church has a fence. You've got to realize that the church is a fence. The principles that are taught in a church, it's a fence. It's a protection. And I know that some of you get mad because you can't do some things, and it keeps you out of some places... But it provides an avenue to have freedom to worship God. You have to realize the purpose of offense in your life. It is not to keep you just simply in, but it is to keep things out. Praise God. You should have your own personal fence. Let me rephrase. You should have your own personal standards. The church should provide a fence. 
The church should, should, should provide some standards. There's Brother Floyd, my father-in-law, wonderful man, told me when he was in California, they went to a church, and the, in that church, they would not allow their women to wear rings. Now, just, just bear with me for a minute. I'm not teaching on standards tonight. I'm not doing that. The reason why is because it was a military base. And when the men would leave and go out to sea, they knew that the women wearing rings were lonely. And so men would come and try to seduce those women that they knew they were married. They knew they probably didn't have a chance with those ones that weren't married. Those women would put them in their place. But for a woman who's lonely and her husband was gone for months and months at a time, it, it, it was just something they did. So they told their women, hey, as a protection for you, don't wear a wedding ring because we want you protected. We don't even want you in that situation. Somebody give me an amen for a fence that the church has in our own life. And so this fence that we have will keep us protected. The fence that the church has will keep us protected. And then there is a fence that God has. He wrote a 66-book love letter of protection for your life. He made that fence wide. He made it long. He made it tall. And he said, this is a fence of protection. And you have to realize there's three levels or three layers of protection in our life if we so choose. There may be sacrifice, but it will lead to freedom. I may not be able to do some things, but I will be able to do some things. I may not be able to go to some places, but I will be able to go to some places. I, I may not get all the satisfaction the world has to offer, but I'll get all the joy that God has to offer. I may not get the high that the world can get through drugs and alcohol, but I can get a high in prayer like no other high on this planet. I can get drunk in the Holy Ghost like no other drunk on this planet. Because I've got levels of protection in my life. I've got layers of protection in my life. I may be set apart. I may be different. There may be places that I'm just not... My cross ain't going to go in there. There may be friends I don't hang out with. But I'm protected. Hallelujah. The truth is that gates and fences are all over this world. We, we see some large and some small. Some easy to get into and some very difficult to penetrate. If you would imagine with me for a moment that we also have spiritual fences around our lives. Some of our fences are pretty small. You can tell people with small fences. And you can tell a lot of those other... Um, excuse me. Some fences are pretty small and some... You can tell a lot of the world gets in others. They're very tall. Excuse me. Some are small and some are tall. My words are getting all babble. Okay? <clears throat> they're tall, they're sturdy, and you can tell that the boundaries are set in that person's life. You can just tell. You can look at an individual and know that that person has a standard in their life. That person it's not going to be attacked the same way this person is. Why? Because there's a difference in my fence. There's a difference. Hallelujah. Simply put, fences define our boundaries. 
We always want to know why, 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 why. If you will listen to the Bible, if you will listen to your pastor, if you will listen to your own heart, you will realize that those things that have been, that, that have been told to you are defining of your boundaries. They provide a structure and security for our lives. Although we can't see our spiritual fence, they are there. The biblical boundaries that were established by God were meant so that we could live a healthy and spiritual life. We are not supposed to live a spiritual life with cancer in it. These biblical boundaries that were established... Excuse me, I just said that. Every year in high school classrooms across America, student, uh, America students will study Robert Frost's poem, The Mending Wall. And the composition examines several questions. Why do good fences make good neighbors? What is the purpose of a wall anyway? Okay? What is being walled in and what is being walled out? When you think about a fence and you think about a wall in your own life, in your own spiritual, uh, your own spiritual life with your own spiritual fence, you need to think of these things. What am I walling in that I'm going to be protected? And what am I walling out that's not going to attack me? You have to realize that fences, will simp- they will keep the enemy out. We deal with more issues than we have to. There are more complications than there need to be. If your fence is intact, then the enemy shouldn't be hounding you on a day-to-day basis. Your protection is guaranteed by your fence and the level of that fence. It's the truth whether you believe it or not. We let the enemy in our gate more times than not. We allow him to walk right in by the movies we watch, the internet sites we go to, the TV shows that are on, and the conversations we have against others in our church. We let the devil walk in every time bitterness forms in our heart because she said this or he said that and I'm going to hang on to it for a long time. I'm not going to forgive. Don't you realize forgiveness is a layer of the fence? My brother may walk up and slap me on the face. If I forgive him, I'm protected. Oh, come on, somebody. Our disobedience to God's Word creates an avenue for the devil to walk right in. It does. It creates holes and gaps when we are not living the way that we need to live. However, if you have a fence that's intact, I guarantee you this, your standards are set. Your morals aren't going to be compromised. The Word of God is true to you and you read your Word every day. Your fence will be a protection to you. When the enemy gets to be more than we can handle, I love it because Isaiah fifty nine nineteen, it says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. What it's saying is I need to have my personal fence intact. I need to have it ready. I need to know where my morals start. I'm not going to be caught in that situation. I don't care who it's with. I don't care how long I've known them. I'm just not going there. My fence is intact. And then when the enemy comes in, when he comes in, and he comes in sometimes, 
what you're going to see is God way out on your boundary lines. He's going to raise a big old tall fence. It's going to be high and it's going to be wide. And the enemy's going to try to get in at you. But you're going to be standing in your place of safety. Knowing that 100% I'm protected. Oh, come on, somebody. When our fence isn't tall enough or strong enough, God raises up His fence. His fences are holiness, purity, His righteousness, not ours. And they all stand in front of the enemy trying to create, create immorality in our lives. But, he, but that enemy can't touch us. It's kind of like this. He stands back and he looks at the devil and he says, Oh, you want in? No. I don't think so. Not this time. You're not going to mess with my kid this time. He's protected right now. Why? Because I'm standing here. Yeah, you could probably defeat his righteousness, but you can't defeat my righteousness. Yeah, his blood don't mean anything, but my blood, it was shed on Calvary. And it covers a multitude of his sins. And I don't know about you, but my protection alone ain't good enough. I need the church to protect me, and I need my God to protect me. I want him to raise up a standard against the enemy. Well, in Jesus' name, I believe it. But you better be careful that you keep your fence intact because the devil also has a fence. If you turn in Deuteronomy 30, verse 17. Deuteronomy 30, verse 17. It says, But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. You listen to me, what happens in your walk with God is we get drawn away. The devil can't get to you, but he throws a big old lure right over that wall and just dangles it in front of your face. Little bitty tiny thing ain't much, but once you grab a hold of that, he drags you out. Because he can't get in, so he drags you out. You better be, be, be sure your walls are there and your fences are there. Your heart turned from God, I guarantee you, your worship will also turn from God. When your worship turns from God, you will walk right outside your, your fence. You will walk right outside your fence. You will look your pastor in the face and say, Pastor, I know you told me to do this, but I'm not going to listen. You will walk right outside of the, of the protection of the church. You will get to Jesus and you'll say, I know that you did some things for me, Lord. But it's not, I, I'm not, it's, not, it's not me. It's not my time right now. I'm just going to walk on out. I can handle it myself. Before long, you're so far from your safety. You're so far from your protection. And you look back and you go, what happened? What happened? And I, I guarantee you, you'll be in that place and you'll be longing for that safety again. You'll be longing for that protection again. You'll walk back to that man of God one of these days and you'll, you'll have tears in your eye and you say, Pastor, I should have listened to you. Am I right or am I wrong? You listen to the man of God that's in your life and you will be protected. That authority and that submission will protect you. And if he's wrong, Jesus will deal with it. It's the way it works. But I will tell you this. When you, uh, the devil's fence becomes in, 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 you know, that little lure gets in our face and we get dragged outside and that devil's fence, we're on the other side. All of a sudden it begins to wrap around us and it becomes a cage. 
Eventually, you're in that cage and you're trapped and you get a collar around your neck and you get a chain where even if you could get free, you couldn't go anywhere because that you're bound. You become restricted. And, and you may try to walk into a service. You may try to walk in somewhere and you may know what's right. And you may understand the apostolic faith, but your worship isn't even an option. You couldn't lift your hands if you tried to lift your hands. You couldn't get them in the air. All you can do is cry, weep, and put your face in the ground because the devil's got a hold of you. He's, in, he's entangled you in a cage. There are too many chains to worship. You feel weighed down. You feel weighted. You just can't quite carry the weight of it anymore. He begins to whisper in your ear, you're not good enough. You never were. He, be, he begins to whisper those false accusations, this truth ain't real. Those people ain't real. They were faking what they were doing. That, that Holy Ghost, it's not real. He begins to whisper when He can get you encaged in His trap. You have to realize tonight that you must stay in a fence. You have to have your own standard. You have to stay in that fence. You cannot expect to do it on your own. And if you don't know what this fence says, then you better find out what it says. Because this is the only way you're go that fence of your of the one that you set's going to grow. It's the only way. So I ask you tonight, please stay in the fence of God, the one that He created and designed. He created it for His sheep. He is our shepherd. We are His sheep. When you stay in the fence, you can worship freely. How many of you know when you're safety, you, you feel that safety and you know you're in where you're supposed to be and you, you just know it's free. Your worship is free. You feel okay, but then... And, and you know those other times when you've strayed outside your fence and you can't quite get your hand in the air. You just know the difference. But when you are inside safety and when you are submitted to authority, you will be able to worship. I don't know if you know the significance of worship. Does anybody in here know the significance of worship in your life? There is, there is a huge difference from praising God and worshiping God. When you worship God, it is a complete submission of your entire being unto Him as your God, your Master. It's, it's a place of humility. When you worship God, it comes straight from your heart. When you praise God, a lot of times it comes from your mouth what he's done you realize if he worshiped freely go to Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5 Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5 it says and Abraham said unto his young men abide here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you now, if you know anything about this story, you know anything about Abraham, in our mind, was he ready to go worship? Thank you. He, he wasn't in his own mind. He was, he was getting ready to take his youngest boy, his only boy, the one that God accepted, walk him up on an altar of sacrifice and kill him because that's what God asked him to do. There are some things in our life that God will ask us to do that are difficult and they are hard. But if you will do it and press through, God will make sure you get blessed. You look at this. A lot of times worship is a sacrifice. 
I may not feel like getting on my face and worshiping. I may not get down in that place where I know it's just me and God. I've got to sacrifice this or that. On a day-to-day basis, you have to sacrifice to worship God. You look on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday when you don't have church, when you don't have a place, there's not a home group to go to, it's just you. You would have to sacrifice to get in a place of worship. But I don't just worship God because of my situation. <laughs> I don't just worship Him because everything's going real, real good for me. That's not... I worship God because I'm in this church, this body of believers that has the truth. That's why I worship God, because He placed me in a place of protection. You really look at it, He placed me in a place where I could go to heaven. The Bible says you can't go to heaven unless you have a preacher. He put me here. He put me with the preacher that I need. And I worship God for every miracle He's done in my life, but I worship Him because of where He's placed me. You want to find a place of real worship, you must find a place where you can stand firm. A place where you are rooted in truth. The reason why you don't see miracle signs and wonders follow a lot of other churches is because they're not rooted in truth. They don't understand doctrine. They don't understand who God really is. They pray to multiple or separate gods in their own mind. They they, they don't get it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, when you realize you're in truth, you realize you've got a good thing going for you. And you know that regardless of my situation, I will worship. Regardless of my circumstance, I will worship. It doesn't matter what hell comes my way, I will worship. Because I found a place where I can stand firm. I found a place in God where I'm protected from the enemy. Yeah, he might fire some arrows. He might fire some darts in at me, but he can't get to me because I'm grounded in the faith. I'm grounded in the truth. And he's not going to get to me. I may have to to raise my shield of faith every once in a while to block one of those arrows, but I can do that. It's better than taking on a whole army. Nothing is going to shake me from believing this truth. Some of us just got to understand this is, this is the truth and the truth is going to make us free. I know what I believe and I know what the Word of God says. John 3, 5 says, I must be born of water and spirit. And that's never going to change. It's never going to change. You ain't ever going to get a doctrine preached from this pulpit that says anything different. That You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost because Jesus said if you want to enter His kingdom, that's what you need. I must obey the gospel in my own personal life. The greatest commandment that God gives me is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, your God, is one Lord. When when the Pharisees looked at him and said, out of all the commandments, what's the greatest? The first thing he said is, the Lord your God is one Lord. And let me just stop and say that that in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says that. And Jesus repeats it in Matthew. And then the scripture that follows later is that, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Lord your God. God wasn't the proper noun in that sentence. The Lord was. And Jesus is your God. You have to realize that. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you turn to Philippians 3.3. 3, 
quiet as a mouse in here. Somebody say amen. Thank you for the ten that are with me. The rest of you say hallelujah. Anybody there? We're there. Philippians 3, 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. When you look at this Scripture, there is a place that you get to where you worship God in the Spirit. There is a spiritual connection between you and Him. We have a physical body, but we also have a spiritual one. And the spiritual is where I want to get to. It's that worship and that prayer that I desire and that I need to be in. I can't just settle for my own fleshly prayer. Because it would be all about me. How many of us go before God and it's simply about us? God, I need you to do this. I need this miracle. I need, I need, I need. Brother Krause spoke of it last week. God spoke to him and said, don't pray for your own needs. Go pray for somebody else's needs. You want a financial blessing? Go pray for somebody else's finances. You want a miracle and healing? Go pray for somebody else's body so you can be healed. It, it makes sense. Those that give also receive. It's just the way. It works. But there is a place you get to where you, you, you worship God in the Spirit. In that submissive secret place of worship where you realize that God is everything. And in that place you begin to relinquish control of your situations and your circumstances. You begin to relinquish control of all those issues going on in your mind that you've blown up so big. And in all reality they're, just, they're really not that big. All those problems you have to deal with day to day. All those goals you've set for yourself and that pressure that's on. Every aspiration you have you relinquish that control to God. Doesn't matter what I want to be God I want to be what you want me to be. You relinquish your family to God. I can't save them, but God, you can save them. You relinquish those lost ones you've been praying for for a long time. You've been, you've been laboring in prayer, and you have tears coming out your eyes, and you're praying, and you relinquish that control, and you say, God, reach out to that family. Reach out to that person. You do what you have to. Change their heart. Do whatever, but they're yours. And all of a sudden, a transition in your mind happens, a transition in your spirit. All the confidence and all the things that you thought you had to do in order to have all this work becomes a confidence in Him and His ability and not in ourselves. When you look at Joshua chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. And said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? You look in this passage of Scripture, a place of worship was found on your face. That place of worship is a deep spiritual connection, a place where it's you and God. I can't stress it more than anything but the relationship with God. But it's also about the focus of that relationship. The focus of that prayer. What you're saying and how you're saying it to God. And then getting into a place where your spirit can also pray. A lot of people don't understand that. But it's just allowing God to pray through us. Allowing that spirit that's in us to pray. If you want to hear the voice of God, you must find a place of worship. And I'm almost done. Music, you can come. If you want to hear the voice of God, you must find a place of worship. Your love for God predicates your relationship with God. How many of us can identify that when our children show us love, we can't say no? That little boy runs up to me 
and, and Jamin and Malachi, and they said, Daddy. And they give me that big hug, and they give me that smooch on the, on, on the lips, and I don't care if you think it's wrong or not. I love it every time they do it. They give me that love, and they, and they say, Daddy. And they look at me, and they want that. Brother Krause, you know what it's like. Your heart just melts, and you say, well, okay. How much more if we ran to our Heavenly Father, tears streaming down our face, and said, Jesus, I love you. I'm making you the object of my worship right now. I'm not going to worship anything else. My time is yours right now. I'm not going to rob you, God, of what's yours. And I find that place of worship. How much more is He going to look at me and say, Ha, boy, you can have it. And sometimes He gives us things that we don't even ask for. Maybe a prayer that's been prayed ten years ago we hadn't thought about and God comes back and He grants that. He reminds us. But your love for God will predicate your relationship with God. The more you love Him, the better your relationship we have. It's the same in our marriage. You look at marriages and the way that they're designed. You look at those things. And what you see is the more love that the husband gives to the wife, the more compassion that the wife gives to the husband. And she wants to be with him when he loves her. Because biblically, the Bible says that a man's supposed to love the wife. It never commands them to love you. It doesn't. It just says for them to be in submission. It's, but that submission comes from a love. And the man is supposed to lead that love. We are the ones that need to lead that relationship. And I believe God's already led that for us. I believe He already found a place on Calvary where He showed us how much He loved us. And there's times in our life He's given us the Holy Ghost. And there's so many other miracles that He's done where His love has preceded our love. Even when we didn't deserve it. Even when we didn't care about it. He still reached for us and He still loved us. Some of us are on a walk with God and it's been 20 years, 30 years. We find it just, you know, it's a regular thing. It's what we do. It's who we are. And, but we miss out sometimes on that place of worship that we had. That place of intimacy with God. Because the truth of the matter is, is everything that we do is birthed out of our relationship with God. As the Word of God comes into our heart and He speaks, He, he fertilizes that Word in prayer. And then it becomes birthed in our life. It's the way that it works. In like manner, we have to demonstrate that love through the worship. The more, revela- the more worship we give, the more revelation we have, and the more understanding of God we get. Sometimes we only know that, that the fence is the right thing when we can hear God say it is. Sometimes we won't understand when the, when the man of God walks up and says, this is your boundary, this is where you to go. We don't understand until God comes and tells us. But you will be in a better position in your own life when you have a fence that's been built by your church and by your leadership. You have to listen to those voices. Sometimes you may not understand why. Sometimes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but if you'll just do it, You'll figure it out in the process. I shouldn't strive against the fence. I shouldn't tear down the fence. But I should build it. I'm going to ask some people in here tonight, you may have been dealing, you can stand with me. 
You may have been dealing with some things in your own life. You may be dealing with, the, with some own issues that you may not necessarily agree with in your own heart, but they're preached from this platform. There's some things in the Bible that just rubbed you the wrong way. You're just dealing with those things that God's working on your heart and He's working on your life and He's building something in you. I'm asking you, don't tear down that fence, but, but help God build it. Stop running away from that fence. You should not try to justify why you think it's okay to do this and to do that. You can't. Instead, you should long for your leaders and for your God to set those protections in your life. Every time your pastor comes and tells you, or leadership, don't you, your pastor, whoever that may be, there's, there's pastors, multiple pastors. Brother Hill, he is, he is pastor Hill to me. And I mean that with all my heart. He, is, he has been there for me. And he has helped and he has pastored me. And if you have those men in your life, then, then, you, then you listen to them. You help build that fence and you help set that protection in your life because in all honesty on the battlefield, I want to be as far away from the front of that line as I can. I want to be as protected as I can. Has anybody been going through it? Anybody been under that attack and under that pressure and you felt it in your own life? It's because we need to get in a place of protection. Some of these things that we know in our own mind are there, but we have just kind of looked over them for a little too long. We've just kind of let them go for a little too long. So I'm asking you, don't run. Don't, don't, don't tear down the fence that your leaders try to build up. It's for protection. We must come to a place where we relinquish control of our lives so that God can be formed in us. You will never have God formed in you if you do not find a place of worship. God cannot be formed in you unless you find a place of worship. I want to covet what's in front of me. I want to covet heaven. I don't want to covet what's on this world. So I'm asking tonight, is there anybody in here that you're okay with being guarded? And you're okay with being safe? And you felt a little under pressure, but tonight you feel that safety. And you feel that. And you want God to form some more walls in your life. And you want God to form some more levels of protection. If there's anybody in here that needs that in their own life, I'm asking you to come and find a place of worship. This is God's time. It doesn't have to be long, but just find a place where God can deal with you. If you need some time maybe to repair a fence that you've torn down and you realize that you've done it, you need to build that fence back up in your life, then I'm asking you to come and pray and find a place. If you don't feel like praying, I'm asking you to find somebody else to pray. Help them build a fence. Sometimes it takes our neighbor. If we could all just bow our heads and ask God to be with us. And if you could seriously consider what has been preached tonight, that it will go into your heart and somehow help you in your relationship with God. Lord, I pray right now by your power and by your strength, God, that you will guard our church. That you'll guard against the enemy, Lord. That you'll build fences of protections and you'll raise up standards within our church that we can agree with and we know is right, Lord. I pray that our own personal conviction, God, will allow us to have our own standards. God, we know our weaknesses and we know what we don't need to be around. So I pray you make us strong enough to not be around those things, Jesus. I pray for every member of this congregation that you build a fence around them, God. That your biblical fence will be set.
We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. If you're not praying, find somebody to pray with if you would. In Jesus' name.